Hi, I'm Jonathan Karras. I am head of communications at Lavana DAO. Lavana is a, a community on the Terra blockchain, which produces a gamified experience bridging the worlds between Web 2, Web 3, uh, advanced financial tools found within the, the DeFi ecosystem of Terra, and uh, most interestingly, uh, a, a strong community and narrative uh, driven by, uh, in, in one word, dragons. And I'm happy to <laughs> unpack that. Absolutely the right person to have with us today. So Jonathan, in your opinion, can blockchain be isolated from cryptos? Well, um, blockchain is a, a technology which allows for the creation of um, of uh, of scare of provably scarce digital assets. Meaning, if I have a PDF file which is a digital asset, and I email it to you, now there's two copies of that PDF file. Mm -hmm. That what blockchain enables is that I can own a digital asset. Um, I can verify when it was created. I can verify all the other people that owned it before me. I can verify who created it. And then I can also transfer it to somebody else. And mm -hmm. if I transfer it to somebody else, I no longer have ownership of it. So that's what crypto is. Crypto is the thing that um, that is enabled by blockchain technology. So I don't believe that there's there's been that there that we've seen any um, uh, practical use cases for blockchain outside of the crypto space. I know that I've worked with a lot of, I've been a consultant in this industry for uh, since, uh, since late 2016, early 2017. And I know that there's been, uh, there was a whole, you know, about 18 month period of blockchain, not Bitcoin. That was like the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, which we could now say blockchain, not crypto, because it's, you know, the, the space mm -hmm. is broad. Mm -hmm. And, and that, um, that really also implies that the um, that I mean, what is uh, what what do we say when we mean blockchain? Is that um, that there are uh, there are blocks, and each block has a reference of the change of ownership of assets mm -hmm. that are tracked within the the this um, this essentially a spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet that is maintained by a number of different uh, operators. Yeah. So if if the if the assets are not um, are not crypto assets, meaning they're not assets that are um, that the settlement layer occurs on the blockchain itself, then uh, I really question um, the the value drivers there. And let me give an example. Let's say, for example, that we put um, the deed to our house. You know, I'm sitting here. I'm in my house, um, and imagine and and there's a um, at the at the Town municipality, which is like a, a 15 minute drive from my house, they have a spreadsheet on a computer that they maintain that um, that lists that I'm the owner of the house. Now, imagine that um, that we were to put that um, onto a blockchain, but it wasn't, uh, you know, so, so what my question here is, imagine somebody stole my phone and they moved the deed from my phone to their phone. Mm -hmm. And then and then they walked into my house and they sat down at my at my dining room table and they like or they they went in my kitchen and they just started making themselves a sandwich. Mm -hmm. If I was to um call the cops 
and the cops were to come in and the cops see, you know, they see a picture of my family on the wall. Mm-hmm. They see, you know, um, the neighbors say, oh yeah, Jonathan's lived there for years. Mm-hmm. And they see, you know, all of this other stuff that clearly indicates that it's my house. My car is out in the front yard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the key to the house is on my keychain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if this guy was to come and to say, oh yeah, but but it's on a blockchain and and here's my phone, which says that I own it. The cop is probably going to arrest him and not me mm-hmm. because the because the settlement doesn't really exist on the blockchain per se. They might be keeping a copy of it mm-hmm. on the blockchain. Um, but but the real settlement was a social settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's the <clears throat> that there's the history. Uh, the mortgage for the house is listed in my name by the bank. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the previous owners can attest that 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 I bought it from them and that you know the, the real estate agent can say that he got his fee. So there's there's a there's almost a, a there's a a, a, a multi-dimensional um uh legal consensus and social consensus that that uh, signifies that the house is owned by myself hmm. and that and that means that that asset is not crypto because hmm. what it means for an asset to be crypto it means that the blockchain itself is the definer of the ownership if i have one bitcoin and then somebody um <clears throat> and then i uh I write down my seed phrase and then somebody gets access to the seed phrase and then they clone my wallet and then they move it there. There's a, they could say that they stole from me, but, mm-hmm. but, but once they stole from me, what they got, they actually have access to that Bitcoin. It's not like the deed to the house, which doesn't necessarily, which is independent of giving you ownership of the house. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I would define, um, uh, crypto, uh, meaning blockchain as a database that's used to store uh, a, a reference of um, of uh, of ownership or of items, where where what it's storing is purely just a reference, mm-hmm. versus a blockchain that works with crypto, where actually the definition of who owns what is defined by the blockchain itself. That's how I would differentiate it. And I would say that the use cases that have have, uh, have proven to be practical and applic- applicable and to have economic value to date have been public blockchains that um, that reference um, that, that that reference crypto, which the ownership of that crypto is defined by the chain itself. Now, why crypto is uh, is transformative? Um, is uh, I think from a from a high level perspective, and, and we need to take a minute to look at the uh, the history of of software development. Uh, when I was a child back in the '90s, software was a product. It was something that you got on floppy disks. You might get a stack of them that were this high, and you'd put them into your IBM, you know, 286 clone, and then you would install them all. And now you had you know WordPerfect and DrawPerfect and you know Hugo's House of Horrors and like various other you know uh, pieces of software, maybe Doom, um, and uh, and then um, over time. Um, and, and back then almost all software was proprietary software, but we saw a transition that happened is that open source software became the predominant, um, uh, foundation of any software development, this, the streaming codecs that we're using to record the zoom, the operating systems found in our phones, the kernels, the, um, you know, how the keyboards and mouse interact, it all became standardized through open source. 
Uh, and, and creating standardization means that multiple um, projects, multiple vendors can all create software that just works together. That I don't need a proprietary cable, you know, USB cable or whatever it is to, um, to be able to plug in. I mean, we can put Apple to the side a little bit, but even them are, you know, my, you know, my laptop right here uses the standard uh, USB-C port. I don't need to buy a special one from Apple in order to be able to charge my phone anymore. Hmm. Um, and, and so what we've seen over time is that um, proprietary software was slowly replaced by open source software. And the, the, the proprietary, which used to be the entire stack, then first the kernels became open source, then some of the drivers, then, you know, some of like the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the processors or the logic until today, we've got a very thin proprietary layer that's on top of like a 95% open source stack. Hmm. The problem with the open source stack is that it doesn't have a good monetization method, hmm. that a lot of it is just, you know, uh, almost a donation where by large companies, because they want to, they recognize how dependent they are on open source stacks, hmm. you know, for the longevity of their software. But open source hasn't had a, um, a business model un hmm. until crypto. Now, also look at uh, that, uh, you know, from, so that was, that was, uh, that was, one one change that happened over the last 40 years is going from proprietary software to being open source software. Now, on the other hand, software used to be a product like the stack of disks that I talked about. And now software became a service. We don't buy Zoom on a stack of disks that we install into our computer. We buy a monthly subscription to Zoom or we just use it for free and then we become a part of the product and they sell our data or whatever else it is that they do you know, uh, with, with their free version. Um, same thing with Facebook. You know, Facebook, we are a product. We, they sell monthly subscriptions, you know, to advertisers. It's not really monthly. It's a, uh, it's per eyeball or sets of eyeballs, but they essentially pay monthly budgets, um, you know, and that it becomes the operational budget of, of Facebook and the like. Um, so software moved from being a product to being a service. Now what blockchains have done is enable for the first time ever software developers to create open source software that is extendable that is interoperable that uses standards that uh, that uh, that that um solidifies around standards but yet it is um it has built into it monetization methods that allow for um software developers to still open source their software, but yet at the same time, um, be paid uh, automatically, programmatically through the open source software. So it provided the methodology of software as a service or software, uh, the, the most effective monetization methods for software with the most, um, uh, with, with the best way to build software, which is interoperable open source. And this is the zero to one that's only been enabled through the technology of digital scarcity, which is enabled by crypto assets, meaning assets that are de facto um, uh, that that the that the ledger of ownership is defined by a public blockchain, um, and uh, maintains all of the values: uh, interoperable, composable, open source, um, and uh, subscription-based, where you you pay based on how many people use the 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 service. And so it's it's because of this high level um, massive transformation of 
distribution and monetization of software as a concept that if you just take a step back and believe that more and more of our experiences will exist within a digital sphere, every business today uses computers. When I was a kid, you know, you didn't need to know how to use a computer if you wanted to work at a laundromat or at a convenience store or at whatever. But today, everybody needs to know how to use a computer, and that will just become more and more. So as humanity moves more towards a digital space, then this, this um, monumental evolution of combining the best way to distribute software with the best way to monetize software um, will be the cornerstone of the next generation of um, of, uh, of human uh, computer interaction, and that's why I believe that um, that there's that that there's no going back. Where we've already opened, you know, the the, the we've already opened the gates, and blockchain powered blockchain um, powering crypto is here to stay, and it's it's the most transformative thing that happened, you know, since. You know that says since we figured out how to you know how to how to make electricity in the first place. No, absolutely. I think you just summarized it so well for us, Jonathan. Thank you so much. This is going to be a very very useful session for many of our listeners here in India and across the world. And we're really really grateful that you could find time to do this. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun, and I'm happy to speak anytime.